Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As was expected when the news broke last night, all of the newspapers uh, picking up on the Robert Troy story. We were talking about Robert Troy only yesterday on the uh, programme and then yesterday he dramatically resigned as the Minister for uh, State. But he did uh, strike a, a note of defiance because he insisted in his resignation statement that he wouldn't apologise for being a landlord. And this, of course, has followed about 10 days of controversy. And the controversy... Well, he says he won't apologise for being a landlord and nor should he. The controversy really had to do with the fact that it was the his undeclared property interests. I think that's that's obviously what all the controversy was about. In a resignation statement, Robert Troy accepted he'd made mistakes, but he then went on to attack the media and the opposition, saying the narrative that landlords are villains is simply wrong. And I can already see a WhatsApp in from one of our listeners who's very much agreeing with Robert Troy, particularly on that point that landlords are, are villains and that is simply wrong. One of our listeners says, Tricia, on Robert Troy, opposition and the media are just looking for a scalp. It's not a crime to legally own and let property. No wonder there's an accommodation crisis. Who in their right mind would be a landlord today being viewed as a pariah? When payment of rent is optional and tenants can't be asked to leave, it's the same reason that banks are pulling out of Ireland. Some people haven't paid mortgage for 10 years and they can't be legally evicted. A lot of people in glass houses are throwing stones. No questions asked on all of the Sinn Féin properties, says this uh, texter. So Robert uh, Troy, uh, and there, there is someone who is certainly backing up Robert uh, Troy and saying that he doesn't need. Why should he apologise for being a uh, landlord? Now, he has insisted his failure to declare several property interests and payments from state housing schemes. He says there was genuine error, human error, and it wasn't intentional. And then obviously he was saying he went on to, he regretted distracting from the coalition's work on uh, housing. He said he hasn't tried to conceal anything. He said his biggest uh, offence was his lack of due diligence. And we will be talking a little bit more with uh, political correspondent Adam Higgins is going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. And we'll talk a little more about Robert Troy and his dramatic resignation yesterday evening. But your thoughts uh, welcomed. Did he really have no choice at all? And I'm also interested in Adam's thoughts on it because he did seem to have 
a lot of backing from certainly from both the Taoiseach and the Taunashta. They had been supporting Robert Troy during the last 10 days when all the controversy was breaking. But then Eamon Ryan uh, yesterday, uh, he said he called for two inquiries, including an unprecedented Dáil Committee probe into Robert Troy's property and business uh, interests. And I'm wondering how much of what came out from Eamon Ryan as the Green Party, how much of that influenced the decision of Robert Troy to then formally uh, resign. He hadn't, the Taoiseach hadn't sought his resignation, but the Taoiseach Micheál Martin did say it was with regret he accepted his um, resignation. So it does look like he certainly did have the backing of uh, Micheál Martin and also of the uh, Taunashta, because even up to yesterday, both Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar were publicly reiterated their backing for Robert Troy and that was just hours before his resignation. Actually, Leo Varadkar then, I spotted yesterday, went on to pay a warm tribute to Robert Troy, uh, claiming he was one of the hardest working and most dedicated junior ministers with whom Leo Varadkar had ever shared uh, a department. And he said he'd left a lasting legacy within the Department of uh, Enterprise. And actually, Robert Troy, you know, in his own defence came out, you know, he does have these nine properties and he's only, I think he's only 40 uh, years of age. And I know a number of people during the week were saying, how does a 40 year old end up having nine uh, properties? But he, he came out yesterday and made the point that he went straight from school into a job. So he would have left school at 18. He didn't go on to third level education. He went straight out to uh, work and he said because of that he was in a position at the age of 20 to purchase his first uh, property and uh, he says he's not a person of privilege he wasn't brought up with a silver spoon in his mouth and he said he's worked hard for everything that he has accumulated uh, to uh, date. So anyway, your thoughts welcomed on uh, Robert Troy. And because uh, yesterday when we were discussing it, a number of our listeners did feel that a resignation was the only way out of this. Uh, and, you know, some were saying, was it up to the Taoiseach to ask for the resignation? Or was it better that Robert Troy himself realising all of these mistakes? And if they were human errors, there seemed to be a lot of human errors. But he was right to resign. Your thoughts welcomed 0818. 103 103 or you can text our WhatsApp um, straight here to me in the studio 0862 103 103 and a story that's making the news this morning that I suppose is every parent's worst nightmare is the story of the 10 month old little girl who was abandoned on the side of the road after a man stole the family car that the little child was strapped into the car seat in the back of the car and when the car was stolen. It's just got to be, doesn't it? Every parent's worst nightmare. Now, the baby, thankfully, was found unharmed after the incident. It's a story out of Dublin. It happened in the Cabra area of Dublin. Happened on Sunday evening at about seven o'clock. Now, seemingly what happened, the family's ordeal began after the child's mother and partner were both in their 20s, briefly left the car with the engine running outside the family home and there was actually two children in the back seat of the car. Now, sources say that the mother went back into the house to get something and God knows we've all done that. You've got the kids strapped into the car. You jump into the car and think, oh, I'm after forgetting something or did I leave the immersion on and you fly back into the house to get something. Now, for some reason, her partner 
who was also in the car, followed her in. Now, it's believed that the thief had been watching the couple. He then spotted his, his opportunity seconds later, jumped into the car and drove off. It seems as soon as he got into the car, though, the, the other child who is under the age of nine managed to jump out of the car. The other child obviously was older. The baby was strapped in at 10 months old isn't going to be able to get out of the car whereas a child under the age of nine would have the sense to open his safety belt off the, I'm assuming on a booster seat and hopped out of the car. So then the carjacking, uh, the the person who robbed the car uh, drove off and then realised, oh goodness, there's a 10 month old baby in the back of the uh, car. So, sources say that after a few moments when the thief realised that the young child was still in the car, he pulled in took the car seat out and left it on the footpath and then sped away in the car. Now, no one's been arrested uh, yet and the car still hasn't been recovered and it's Gardaí at Mountjoy. Gardaí station are investigating. Now, the good news is that the baby, thankfully, was unharmed in the incident. It didn't require any kind of medical attention. CCTV is now being examined in an attempt to try to identify the thief and to establish in what direction the car travelled in and I suppose in the hope of trying to get the car back. But it has given Gardaí the opportunity to talk about the number of carjacking and unsuccessful hijacking attempts of cars, particularly around the Dublin area. But I suppose we're coming into, with the children heading back to school, we're coming in and we'll be coming into the winter period. A lot of people will do that in the morning in the driveway of their house. If it's a frosty morning and you're trying to de-ice the car, a number of people go out, turn on the engine of the car, leave the engine running to de-ice the car and warm up the car before maybe the children get in to be taken to school. But people are going to have to be really, really careful uh, because there has been a, a significant increase in the thefts of uh, vehicles and many of them like that the keys were actually in the car so it makes it very very easily for the theft for, for somebody to rob the car and a lot of it will be opportunistic but they're reckoning in this case that the family were actually being watched for some reason maybe when he saw them getting in and out, out of the car he saw it as, he, as his opportunity and drove off but it is as I say it has got to be every parent's worst nightmare. You can imagine the panic. I mean, I'm assuming it was the other child, the under nine, who got out of the car, ran back in, you know, screaming to mummy and daddy that somebody has taken the car and the baby's in it. And you could just imagine that fear rippling through their bodies. Uh, but thankfully, thankfully, as I say, the little, the baby uh, is uh, okay. So just to be careful out there. Some of your comments coming in on the resignation of Junior Minister Robert Troy. One listener says, Mr. Troy had to go. If he can't fill in a few forms properly once a year, what hope do we have that he can run this uh, country? And Ross says, Mr. Troy is a cute businessman to have forgotten to declare stretches our faith in uh, politics. Politics. OK, that's some of your comments coming in on uh, Robert Troy. And then Dennis on the story that I said was every parent's worst nightmare. Little baby in the backseat of the car. Mum runs in because she forgets something in the house. Dad follows her in for some reason. And suddenly there's, a, an, an, I would think, an opportunistic uh, thief 
uh, lurking about, jumps in and drives off in the car with the baby in the back seat. Dennis wants to point out that stationary idling, which obviously the engine was running, is illegal in Ireland. I did not know that, Dennis. He says you can be fined €2,000 for it and if the Gardaí catch you. Dennis feels that that couple in Dublin should be fined and refused an insurance claim if they present one for leaving the car unattended. Whoa, goodness, Dennis, have they not gone through uh, enough that somebody with not a lot of compassion for that couple? That was Dennis by text to 0862103103. A follow on to yesterday when we were talking about the crowning of the latest rose of Tralee. And I'll have to stop saying the word crowning because she didn't get a crown. And we had a number of calls and texts in from listeners saying, why was there no tiara? She got her new sash. Somebody else pointed out that there was no bouquet of flowers. And normally that's what happens. They, you know, the former, the outgoing rose comes on stage, puts the sash onto the new rose of Tralee. Normally lovely bouquet of flowers, but there's always the gorgeous Tipperary crystal tiara and there was no tiara. And a lot of people were very upset that there was no tiara. So we got on to the organisers of the Rose of Tralee Festival to say, did we just miss the tiara? Did you give her the tiara afterwards? And I watched with great interest her, you know, one of the first things that the Rose does the following day, they go to that beautiful Rose Garden in Tralee and there's those gorgeous photographs taken. And I said, oh, surely she'll be wearing the tiara here. But there was no tiara on our new Rose head. Anyway, the Rose Tralee Festival have come back to us to say that the festival committee said last year they conducted a survey amongst the public about their views of the event. Some of the feedback indicated that the public wanted to move away from the visual pageantry elements of the event, such as the tiara, and to move with the times. It was a conscious decision not to have a tiara. So tiaras are gone and it's what the public wanted because, of course, by putting a tiara onto the Rose Tralee, it does make it look like the pageants like the Miss World and the Miss Universe pageants and all of those pageants that they hold very much in the United uh, States. So, like we have... We have the, the Miss Cork ones and the Miss Ireland ones, but we don't do a lot of the bigger pageants like that they do in the States. So putting a tiara on the head of the Rose of Tralee is a bit pageantry. So it's a move with the times. Now, I take it because it's because of the bulk of comments we got in yesterday, we, I, I don't think there was one comment in from people saying they were right not to go with a tiara. People actually said the opposite, that they were missing the tiara. So I'm, I'm assuming people will be disappointed. Some of our listeners will be disappointed to hear that the Rose of Tralee Festival have, have decided to move with the times and get rid of the tiara. Because love it or loathe it, the Rose of Tralee is one of those festivals and TV events that certainly divides the public. You've got people who absolutely love it. You have people who kind of see it every year. It's like the end of the summer, isn't it? I mean, to me, certainly growing up as a child when the Rose Tralee used to come on the TV, it meant you'd only, you'd, you had very little time left on your school holidays. It was the end of the school holidays. It was a bit like the Glenrow, the theme tune from the theme song from Glenrow on a Sunday night mentioned school the next day Rose of Tralee very much the end of summer and there are some people absolutely love it and there's other people that don't like it but it's one of those traditional things that happens every every single year and whenever I see criticism particularly of the TV event 
always saying to people, switch over. We have so many TV channels now and so many different stream ways of streaming TV programmes and documentaries, etc. No one has to be forced to watch The Rose of Tralee. There was a time when we lived in one channel land where you had no other choice. And probably at a time like that, if you'd wanted to criticise, you know, your criticism could have been valid in that you'd know the choice. But there's so much choice. So it does annoy me when I hear people criticise the TV side of it, you know, switch over. But anyway, they're going to be moving with the times. So they got rid of the tiara. 0818. 103 103 our lines remain open text whatsapp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home, business, farm life and health insurance cmig.ie So we already mentioned the Junior Minister Robert Troy last night resigned his role at the Department of Enterprise in the row over his property interests to cast his eye over the story I'm joined by Adam Higgins who is political correspondent with the Irish Sun. Uh, good morning to you, Adam. Good morning. A difficult morning for the government and especially for Robert Troy. Absolutely, absolutely. Did his resignation come as a surprise last night? I think many people felt it was coming, but it, I think the how quick this all unfolded has been a bit of a surprise. So this is 10 days going on now from the first revelation on that website, The Ditch, who revealed that the minister had not fully declared one of his properties. And from there, it just snowballed. There was a kind of drip feed of news stories day after day of different revelations about either other properties that weren't declared or issues with other properties. And then we saw the minister do this big kind of try clear air interview on Monday on RTE, where he kind of let out all, a lot of new information about him owning 11 properties five of them he was getting half payments from tenants for and he kind of held his hands up and said he made a mistake by not declaring some of his properties or properly declaring some of his properties I should say um, and then it kind of snowballed from there there was still more issues being highlighted in the headlines and then I think the real turning point was yesterday the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan was went on RTE and he said that there should be two uh, investigations into Robert Troy's property issues, one from SIPO and one from an Oroctus committee. And I think that was kind of the turning point there because previously and right up until yesterday, the Taoiseach and the Tarnished had stood by Robert Troy, but something had changed late last night and Minister Troy decided to resign because it really yesterday afternoon we had him already saying that he was willing to go and work with SIPO and work with the Dahl committee and answer questions and then a few hours later a second statement from him that he was going to resign. Yeah and it was only yesterday afternoon we had both Micheál Martin the Taoiseach and the Tánaiste Leo Varadkar publicly reiterating their backing for uh, Robert Troy so the tipping point really was the other coalition partner Eamon Ryan. And I think the strength of those uh, contributions from the Taoiseach and Tarnister really highlights that Minister Troy uh, he did, he wasn't ju- pushed. He he kind of he jumped himself. He left himself. It was his decision to leave. He said in his statement that he wanted to leave because of the distraction. It was all this was making for uh, the work that the government has to do. And I think really a lot of people would be looking at this resignation and looking at this this issue with an eye for the next few weeks because the next few weeks for the government are going to be very busy. We have first of all uh, a group of parliamentary party meetings across all the different coalition parties, 
and the opposition parties. Had this continued on until then, it would have dominated the, the agenda at those meetings. The media would have been asking questions and then we're into the budget. And if this had dragged on into the budget when the, the media or the government are already under pressure there, uh, when it comes to housing, we would have been asking difficult questions about housing and how much they were going to try to help renters. And what about uh, taxes for land, tax breaks for landlords that we've already seen flagged? And then we would have been asking those questions with the shadow of the Robert Troy saga over coming over all those questions. And I think it would have been a very difficult time for the government had this dragged on. OK, a listener says, could you ask Adam, will those inquiries still go ahead? Well, from speaking with opposition members today, they still want questions answered from Minister Troy. So they are from former Minister Troy, I should say. There's three issues that the opposition want answers on. Firstly, they want to make sure that all of Robert Troy's 11 or nine properties that he rents out are properly registered with the RTB because we know one of them wasn't and that's since been rectified. They want to know that this issue regarding fire certs for a certain property has been properly uh, finished and is, is all up to scratch and, and legal. And they also want to know that all of Robert Troy's taxes are in order for the properties he owns, in particular for the one that he received cash payments from a tenant for. So that, that's the evidence, and they want hard evidence and proof that all that is sorted. That's what the opposition have been looking for for the past few days. And the minister has kind of addressed it in radio interviews, but I think the proof will be in the, in the pudding and whether he brings out those. But whether if this still goes on to a full doll statement from uh, Deputy Troy, I'm not sure whether the opposition will push it that far but it's definitely not the end of this. It will continue on for another couple of weeks. And would you agree in his resignation uh, statement, uh, there, there was a, a tone of defiance. I mean, he insisted he wasn't apologising for being a landlord. I'd go one further and say his resignation uh, letter was completely tone deaf. If I can just read out one paragraph to you, he says, I personally will not apologise for being a landlord. I bought my first house at the age of 20 as I went straight into a job after school. So I was in a position to purchase my first property then. That's at the age of 20. If the minister does not realise that all across the population now, you could leave school and work for 20 years and you might be able to afford a property in Ireland. That is so tone deaf for that parting shot to be made there from the minister. Yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, it, uh, and what is going to, a lot of people are talking about, he's not the only landlord. I think, did I see in some paper yesterday, there's 80 other uh, TDs who are landlords. But Robert Troy, uh, wa, as a TD, saw tax breaks for landlords who rent properties. I mean, how can any TD go in and look for tax breaks on something that will directly benefit them? So this is one of the big issues about this whole saga is the transparency in the doll. Now, Robert Troy has never hid the fact that he's a landlord. Now, we know that some of his properties weren't properly registered with the doll members' uh, interests. So that what that register does is lets everybody know what skin in the game each TD has. And so that's what that register is for. And he didn't properly fill out that form, but he didn't hide the fact that he was a, a landlord. I think the problem is a, min a minister or a TD goes into the doll and starts asking for, asking questions around, say, particular the RAS scheme or the HAP scheme. If he doesn't declare before he makes that statement uh, that he's a beneficiary of these schemes, I think it becomes difficult for the public to swallow that. And I think this is something that TDs should really take from this whole situation, that if you're going to go into the doll and speak on something, and if you're benefiting from that scheme, you should open your statement with, I'm a landlord and I receive half payments. 
and on the HAP scheme, I think. And I think then we'd all be on the same page. And I think that's something that politicians should really uh, take note of after this. Yeah, yeah, because it's also uh, emerged that uh, Robert Troy used Dawes speaking time to call on the housing minister to support landlords seeking to evict tenants during the pandemic. Just, a difficult position for anyone yeah, to take. Yeah, absolutely. OK, and a final question coming in from Dennis in the city. Could you ask Adam, who does he think will replace Robert Troy as junior minister? It's very early days in that, but there has been a couple of names floated around uh, in Fianna Fáil circles. The, the, the early front runner, I would say, is um, former agriculture minister Derek Kaleri, who we know had been caught up with that golf case scandal, yeah. which was later vindicated in the courts. And so I think maybe Fianna Fáil and Michal Martin might look to um, kind of mend that bridge there. But it's still very early days and I don't think we'll have a, a new appointee to that position for a couple of weeks. OK. All right, Adam. Listen, as a political correspondent, this is meant to be your quiet time. You're having a busy summer. It is, yeah. August has been a difficult time for the government for the past few years. There's been controversy after controversy each year. OK, listen, thank you for that. And we appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Adam Higgins, who is the political correspondent uh, with the Irish Sun. I can see a lot of comments coming in on uh, Robert Troy. Ed says, morning, Patricia. I bet you Robert Troy had no problem with filling in his expenses for him at the end of every year. And someone else says, Patricia, I'm sick of listening to landlords. No wonder there's no property for rent. It's always about the rent, the rent, the rent. Everyone has the same chance in life. He has resigned, so let's move on. And that's that's coming in from a landlord. And hi, Patricia, the crime for Robert Troy wasn't what he did. It was what he didn't do. I can see more uh, coming. And hi, Patricia, it doesn't say much for Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar standing up for wrongdoing. The fact that they both were supporting him yesterday afternoon in advance of his uh, resignation a few hours later. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am. Irish Sunday on C103. Still a lot of comments coming in on uh, Robert Troy, including Judy and Skibbereen saying, I agree with Adam, your political correspondent, boasting about owning so many houses at a young, a young age when people are saving and saving today and will never be able to buy a property. We've got people working two jobs and they're still unable to purchase their first home. And Jerry in Fomoy says, how can TDs who are in the doll and also being landlords and there's 80 of them, how can they go along and vote or bring in laws regarding homes or rent laws?
that really does need to be looked into. And uh, somebody else is describing Robert Troy as an arrogant man. If he's such a successful businessman, how did he make so many errors? 0818 103 103. John Paul continues to take your calls. Now, I need to, I want to move on to a different issue because former Cork City Councillor and indeed former Lord Mayor Tony Fitzgerald believes that the current rostering system in the guards needs to change and he feels that we need community guardy working on times that they can interact with the public to find out more Councillor Tony Fitzgerald uh, joins me good morning to you Tony good morning Patricia and you're very welcome to the programme thank you very much okay what do you believe is wrong with the way community guardy are currently working yeah, well, I suppose I bring a, a lot of experience from the community sector and both in the political sector, working with community Gardaí over a number of years. And it has been a strong partnership of the community and the Gardaí working together with the local authorities or the local agencies. What seems to have happened, Patricia, in the last number of years, particularly just before COVID and during COVID, is that the roster system brings the community Gardaí a 12-hour roster system. And that roster system brings them into then four days on and three days off. Um, so you could you could have a situation where you have community guardy uh, working until two a.m. in the morning, um, um, and which you know for some that might be a good idea, but that doesn't allow them then to engage in the with the schools, with the community groups, with older people, um, and then they could be working weekends when there is very little community activity and groups involved. So. What a balance is needed here, of course, from an employment point of view, from a family-friendly point of view, from from the, the guardians themselves. You know, obviously, they can't be on 24-7. They have a, a, a life to live themselves. But there's also the engagement in the community. So what I'm asking for is to uh, reconsider this, this system, um, to bring them back to an eight-hour roster system, um, and which would allow the community guardian to design their roster around what the, when, when there's activities on or when there's meetings on so that, I, that they could attend. And this is the way it was before, and it worked quite well. Um, and there is a gap, um, um, and I think that's acknowledged by everybody. Um, and, you know, as we go into the winter season now, you know, uh, you know to, to continue the engagement with older people and young, younger people, this needs to be revisited, and I think it's a very big concern. And I, I've seen evidence on the ground where, um, you know, there is a, there's an absence of the community guardian. They are working, there's no question about that, and they're working very hard, and they're doing a great job. There's no issue there. But they're not there. It's the, yeah, yeah, it's when, the hours, when, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and is the also, Tony, I mean, is the elephant in the room also a manpower issue and the, in that we need more guardy? Yeah, so uh, well, we all we always will, Patricia. We have nineteen guardian yeah, community guardian you now uh, in, 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 in in Cork, um, and it it works effectively very well, um, you know. And because the model works, you see, we the the, the traditional model has been on uh, working with um, the guardian youth diversion projects, working with young people as well, and working with the juvenile liaison officers. So th- there's 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 a good operation there and there's a good system there to work but unfortunately the the the, the, the roster doesn't correspond with that and the other significant change uh is that we no longer have superintendents based in each district and um, they're now designed or appointed on a various um hr model of uh, various uh we say crime prevention or hr 
the model of a, a superintendent uh, working uh, based in a district, wherever it may be, whether it be in Granabar or in Cork or in Mallow or, you know, Samai or whatever, uh, has worked because, you know, the superintendent is aware of the, the needs of the community as they emerge. You know, so if there's issues highlighted in a particular community on a particular issue, well, then... The, the super will be aware, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he can designate staff and appoint staff to that particular issue um, and go in and work with people and solve it. And that has worked. Um, and we've seen the successes of the Joint Policing Committee where, you know, it's a forum to bring people together and voice that. But we haven't had a lot of those uh, because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, well, and, we, we, need to get, we need to get back to them because yeah. I also uh, saw on the front of the Echo uh, today, it's a pre-budget submission on behalf of the Cork Chamber and among yeah. the issues that they're highlighting, they're calling for an increase on the visual presence of Angarda Siakona on the streets because if you have a visual presence, it, it does deter and at the same time detect crime. It absolutely does, and I, and, and I support Cork Chamber on that. I suppose their their focus as well on the nighttime economy in the city centre, you know, or or in or in uh, towns and villages, you know. But that and that's that's absolutely necessary. I'm focused on community engagement and working with uh, with groups so that you know that we you see the preventative model, uh, Patricia, is very hard to promote, whether it is in. Um, crime, education or health and it doesn't get the, the highlights that it's needed. Because if you if you if you would if, if, if we invest in prevention, it will solve other problems up the line later on. And that's the key to to, to solve it. And and the issue for us is that it has worked significantly very well um over many years. But this system uh, has kind of diluted the, the, the engagement with people and that is a concern. And of course, if you go back to COVID, you will see, like, you know, when, when the community guardy were involved in, you know, calling to people, doing prescriptions, doing prescriptions for people, delivering hampers, they, you know, engaging with, with, with the children when they were off school. All of that was based on a network of knowing where the people were and where the needs were, where the needs were. And that was formed on the basis of the community gallery knowing what the needs of the community were. So yeah, we because that yeah, because yeah. earlier when I teed up that we were going to be discussing this and you were going to be joining us on on the program, I was making the point there was a time where uh, you know all local residents would have known the local guard, would have known the local community guard. Yeah. Now you'd ask a lot of people, and they wouldn't even be able to name a guard in their area. Well, fortunately, like from from my own perspective in, in my engagement, there there is very, yeah, there is a very positive engagement with the community guard, and they are they are known in 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 general sense. But I, I suppose the engagement is getting weaker and weaker, and that's where that's where I see the gap, um, and that's what I'm highlighting. Um, I mean, they are working and they're doing a fantastic job. There's no issue there, and they know that they're highly skilled. Um, and 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 the main thing is particularly. Um, older people trust them. They trust the community police. They know who they are. Um, and we've got some fantastic men and women uh, right across the sector uh, in the community policing. But the issue is, like, you know, what are community guards doing, we say, from um, 10 p.m.? You know, the community group finishes at half nine or nine o'clock. Or, like, what are community guards doing? What's their purpose from 9.30 or 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. in the morning? You know, 
And I, I know maybe the, 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 the station may need Gardy to work at that time, but that's not the hours that, 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 was, that was first envisaged when the community policing network was formed. It was to be available to call to the schools, you know, to um, engage in, 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 uh, in, in programs with young people with the Garda Youth Diversion Projects, to, you know, we have the Garda Community Buses now, which are nationwide, which started in Cork. So, you know, if you want to book a, 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 a community bus, you have to get a driver, you have to get a, a, a Garda that's working on the day. Ideally, the community Garda should be doing that and getting, you know, being available to the group. And that's what I'm concerned about. And definitely the 12-hour roster, roster, four days on and three days off, or vice versa, is, is not working and for that um, type of guard for that type of yeah, guard that work yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Go, and no good to get, okay so well done and, go, and I think good to get the debate going because that's what it's all about listen Tony I, we leave it there thank you for that okay, and thanks thank for joining us thank good morning you. to you that is uh, Fianna Fáil Cork City Cancer and indeed former Lord Mayor of uh, Cork City Tony Fitzgerald you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed just if you're living in the Bandon area or you drive through Bandon a word of warning for you that St. Patrick's Quay in Bandon will be closed from Monday the 5th of September now it's a long closure it'll be closed until Friday the 21st of October it's facilitating Irish water they're doing pipe laying construction in that area so Monday the 5th of September is just looking at the calendar Monday week goodness me it's the start of September next week already okay so Monday the 5th to Friday the 21st of October St Patrick's Key and that's the key below St Patrick's Church so it's obviously going to have a knock on effect on traffic elsewhere in the town and they'll be starting that work just as all the children are going back to school it'll be mayhem in the morning but just to warn you and for people to allow extra time if that is part of your route through abandoned 0818 103 103 John was listening to my interview with Councillor Tony Fitzgerald who says that the Angarda Siakona need to look how rostering is working with Community Gardaí. They've all got on, they went on new rosters a number of years ago. So they work four 12-hour shifts for four days and then they're off for three days. And he's just making the point that that all, doesn't always work with Community Guards who really should be available and be able to interface with the community. I mean, listening to Tony did make a lot of sense. You know, having Community Gardaí on at 2am in the morning isn't of much use if they can't interface with the with the community. So he just reckons that the rosters need to be looked at again. So John listened with interest to that and he said it got him thinking. He was in hospital about two weeks ago and he said once the weekend came, that was it. There was no consultant available from, I don't know what time they knock off on a Friday, but no consultant available on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and John says if nurses can work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Why can't consultants work on some kind of a seven day rota? Not expecting a consultant to work 24 7, but have them on the roster. Now, I'm sure consultants will say we're on call and, and all of that. But I know that the point you're making to actually go around and do the rounds that consultants do on a daily basis that only happens Monday to Friday. And it's, it's also can be tricky if you're in hospital with getting scans and things. It's one of the big dreads you'd hear from a lot of people if they get admitted to hospital on a Friday. They kind of go, what's the point? Nothing will happen until Monday morning. So John reckons if you're talking about the rosters of Gardaí, do we also need to look at the rosters within hospitals? 0818103103. Still getting in calls and comments to do with Robert Troy and his resignation. And what a number of people are picking up on was the point that Adam Higgins, our, our political correspondent, made. And that was 
part of Robert Troy's statement when he was resigning. He pointed out that, you know, he's a hard worker and that he didn't go to college. He left school and he went straight into work. And because of that, he was able to buy his first house at the age of uh, 20. And he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He's worked hard all of his life and he's worked hard in order to amass at the age of 40, 11 properties. It's it's quite a big property a portfolio to have by the age of 40. But he's making the point that he worked hard. And Adam was saying that part of his resignation statement was a little bit tone deaf with what is going on at the moment. Fidelma in McCroom thought the statement from Robert Troy proves what an arrogant man he was. Uh, she also says if he's a successful businessman, how did he make so many errors? He knew, she felt he knew what he was up to. Uh, Fidelma says, I've always had a great time for Hall Martin. She said she wouldn't class herself as a Fianna Fáil supporter, but she's always respected Hall Martin. But the fact that Hall Martin sided with Robert Troy, he's actually gone down in Fidelma's uh, expectation. He's tiring himself with the same brush he should have been thrown out two weeks ago. People like him bring down the world of uh, politics and they need to be weeded out, according to Fidelma. Ellen, uh, Eileen, apologies Eileen, Eileen in Bandon. Her son is working two jobs. He works in finance Monday to Friday and then on the weekends he has a part-time job working in a bar. Why is he doing it? He's doing it to try to save to buy his own house. He's renting at the moment, but she says at the rate he's saving, he's never going to be able to buy his own house. So she was frustrated listening to Robert Troy say at 20 he was able to buy his own house. There are people even in their 40s today who can't afford to buy their own house. The politicians really need to get a grip on what is happening in this uh, country. 0818103103 that's some of your calls uh, coming in. John reckons it's time for an election. Uh, he reckons we've greedy people in a government who seem to be looking after themselves. It's, uh, he feels politics is rotten to the core and it needs to go. But if you get rid of politics, what do what, what you replace it with, um, John, is uh, the problem. Uh, Meg says on Robert Troy, if Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin only yesterday were out fulsome in their praise and backing Robert Troy, no wonder we are, no wonder this country is in so much uh, chaos. OK, there are some of your texts uh, coming in on Robert Troy. Uh, Heidi says, Patricia, hi, I was listening to you speaking about Robert Troy as a landlord. I think because you get nothing when you put your money in the bank by way of uh, interest. People tend to invest in property. Many people invest in property for their pension. Some people look to it as their future. Um, if you in if you invest, for example, in a pension, pensions were robbed by the government. They can't rob you when you invest in properties. And listen, that's why we have so many what we call accidental uh, landlords as well. People will buy a uh, property and many of them saw it as an investment for for their pension and a lot of those because of course the because houses are going up in price people are cashing in as well and deciding now is a good time to sell and that's why we're losing so many of our private land landlords but yes you're right that is a huge reason why so many people invested in property uh, was they are doing it for their future little or, little or certainly nothing to be made by having money in the bank at the moment Catherine in Clannacilty says my husband and I work really hard we have two sons who are now starting college. Oh God, my heart goes out to you. That's expensive. College fees alone, €3,000 each total, 
thousand euro. That's before anything else is bought, like books, equipment, and then obviously they have to look for accommodation or transport to Cork City or whatever college they end up going to. Catherine says she heard on the news that Ukrainian refugees of college age will be entitled to a college education in this country. Now Catherine says absolutely accept that that's fair and proper. They are fleeing a war situation. But Catherine is wondering who will pay their college uh, fees. Will we have a situation that refugees will have all of their fees wavered are paid for by the government while we as a hard-working family will have to find the money for our two sons already, says Catherine. Three of her son's friends are taking a year out to work in the hope that they can build up some money towards their college fees for next year. I am assuming, Catherine, with the Ukrainian refugees, they'll get the Susie grant because obviously if they're here with with a mother in the main, if the mother isn't working, it'll be... It'll have to be means tested, but if they qualify for the Susie grant, which I'm imagining they will, and if they're here on their own, they certainly will, because they'll have no other means, then if you're entitled to the Susie grant, you don't pay that €3,000. The only glimmer of small bit of hope I can give you, Catherine, is there's a lot of talk with the budget coming up at the end of September, and one of the things that Simon Harris is really pushing for is to help out families uh, just like you, and I know one of the things he's talking about is a cut in that €3,000 not called a fee it's a registration fee is, that, is it still called a registration fee because we're told third level education is free um, it's a registration fee I think is, is the, it's the correct title on it anyway so there's going to be a cut in that now it's anything from 500 250 euro to 500 euro so it'll be a little bit it won't be a lot but it'll be a little bit of saving for you and I am assuming that when that gets announced at the end of September that it will come in for this year's cohort of uh, college students. So hang in there. There'll be a little bit of money back for you. And then on Irish water that we spoke about yesterday and the fact that it's going to cost at least five million for to change the name of Irish Water and to make it as a standalone separate entity. Uh, some of your comments in on that, Mary in North Cork says, what are the politicians doing about this? What difference will it make whether it's called Irish Water or Ishka Erin? I think they have gone beyond their remit. They should just sort out the water rather than name changing. When you stop and look at what is happening across the country with people looking for homes, etc., such a waste of money. And then overnight I had an email in from uh, Dermot in Cork McSherry to say, Patricia, I listened with outrage and disgust to your segment yesterday discussing the €5 million Irish Water rebrand to become Ishka Aram. This state-owned organisation has 176 staff earning over €100,000. And it paid out, remember, more than €10.1 million in performance-related pay to its staff over the past two years. From this, one would justifiably assume that this level of remuneration implies a workforce of exceptional competence. And yet, we've had a summer of water treatment plant overflows and children ending up swimming in raw sewage in the Warren in Roscarbury. This is in addition to complaints of severe mal-odour from various plants across West Cork, stretching from Beira to Kinsale. I have been in a losing battle with Irish Water over the last three years regarding mal-odour at the water treatment plant in Cork McSherry. And I can testify from my interactions with the company that there is an unwillingness to understand, solve or even admit that a problem exists. 
There seems to be a culture of walking away from a project once completed and then washing their hands of any issues thereafter. Five million euro of taxpayers' money is now being used to rebrand vehicles and premises with a new logo with an additional annual cost of the separation between Gas Networks Ireland and Irish Water estimated, according to Dermot, to be 10 million. That is 15 million that could be better spent on proper monitoring, maintenance and repair of the so-called state-of-the-art water treatment plants around the country. Sincerely. And I said, Dermot in Court McSherry, who listened yesterday with outrage and disgust. And I don't think, uh, Dermot, you were the only person judging by the amount of calls and comments we had in when I mentioned that Irish Water was going to get a name change to Ishka Aaron. And I tell you, it'll be years before we'll call it Ishka Aaron. We'll all continue to call it Irish Water because that always happens when there is any kind of a, a rebrand or a name change. 0818 103 103. John Paul takes calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. And our first job vacancies today physiotherapists are required for full time hours. Now it's in a busy private practice, it's in the new market area. It may actually suit a new graduate. Call 087 Welder slash fabricator is required for a busy workshop in the new market area 029. 60019. Ward personnel have vacancies for all types of carpenters. It's for work right across the Cork region. You can contact Ward personnel on 021 233 9120. And the Fomoy Citizens Information Centre, they've got a vacancy for a permanent part time information officer. Application forms are available at www.citizensinformationboard.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie. Now, two young UCC entrepreneurs have developed an app which uses memories to help people with dementia connect with their loved ones. To chat more about the app, which is called Forget Me Not, is one of those entrepreneurs, and that is Neve Murray. Uh, Neve Murray. Good morning to you, Neve. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Um, I'm very well, and you're you're very welcome uh, to the programme. This really is a wonderful, wonderful idea. Uh, well done to you and Amy. Now, you developed the app alongside uh, Amy Bowden. Uh, you both met, I believe, while studying at UCC. Yes, we did. So myself and Amy were studying. I was studying law and business and Amy was studying law. And we met at a social entrepreneurs event in UCC. And we just happened by chance to sit beside each other. And lo and behold, four years later, we've an app together. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. mad. Because <laughs> she was ahead of you in, in college, so you wouldn't have met uh, while studying law. Well, yeah, no, we well, we were in the same year, but we kind of had different modules and things like that. So I didn't actually know her through studying law, but um, I got to know her outside of that. OK, so you're sitting in at this social entrepreneurial uh, event. How did you discover that you both had a shared interest in helping people with memory loss? Uh, well, I suppose we both just started discussing, I kind of think, they posed the question to us, you know, is there something that you can make a social impact on or something that you think can, you know, be improved um, within society? 
And I suppose it wasn't long until we both kind of landed on dementia as a subject for us to kind of discuss. Um, and we discovered pretty early on in our conversation that we both had the same kind of problem communicating um, with our loved ones with dementia. Um, so for Amy, her stepmom had dementia. And for myself, uh, from my point of view, both my grandmothers had lived with dementia. Um, and I think we both realized that it was the communication um, was the issue. So for me, um, my, my nana, Kitty, she's actually from Cork. Um, she had dementia and she loves to talk about her childhood in Cork and where she went to school and who were her teachers and her summer holidays. And my granny Margaret, who lived next door to me, um, you know, she actually passed away two years ago with dementia. And in her later stages, I really used these memories from the past to communicate with her. So whether that be photos or reading her, you know, a poem or a bit of a book or especially for me in my case with her, it was music and singing to her. And we, I kind of realized, you know, she doesn't know who I am or my name or my connection to her. But the minute I sing this particular song, the town I left behind, ah. uh, about the town she grew up in, she would sing along with me and she'd know every single word. Um, and it was just, you know, it was, it was kind of this strange thing that, you know, one minute they don't know what's going on in the present, but there's this whole pool of memories about the past that just needs to be tapped into. Yeah. So I suppose that's what the Forget Me Not app does. Well done, well, well done. And and for loved ones, uh, Neve, is the hardest part of dementia when the person seems to forget who you are? Yeah, it is. It's so difficult. And, you know, initially, I think we started off our app to help the people with dementia, but I think it's really a twofold thing. It, it helps the family and the loved ones and just as much. Um, and it's it's really, it is really difficult, um, you know, to communicate with someone with dementia on both sides. And I think it can be something that's so sad. But, you know, if you if you tap into these memories, it can be something that's so fruitful for not only the person with dementia, but for their family. OK, your app is based on the use of reminiscence therapy. Can you just explain what reminiscence therapy is? Yes, yeah, so reminiscence therapy, I suppose, is something that myself and Amy were actually doing all that time with our loved ones, and I'm sure a lot of people do, but just didn't know the, you know, the scientific or proper name for it. Um, but reminiscence therapy is all about using your senses um, and talking about moments of the past uh, to create memories in the present or to create conversation in the present, excuse me. Um, so it's all about using those moments to kind of talk uh, in the present. So that's what our app does. Um, it's a very simple idea using three tools. Uh, those are photos, music and voice recordings. And they can all be used by the family, the carer, or even the person with themselves, with dementia, depending on what stage they're at, um, to talk about their past and kind of create a bit of conversation in the present. So the idea is that family members download the app and then everyone logs into one account, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So when you uh, download the Forget Me Not app, um, you know, the, the um, first person who downloads it will create an account for the person with um, living with dementia and then they'll be sent a, a family code via their email and that could be shared with um, any carer or loved one that they want to be logged onto the one account. And... Uh, when that code is shared, um, the sole creator, you know, will verify who who can come in and who can, you know, can't come into the to the one account. So it's safe that way. But it just allows all families to be on the one account. 
um, and that way they can upload photos, music, make playlists on Spotify and record messages. So, you know, you can make a photo album, um, you know, of their school days and there's a bit of, uh, you can put in a description about, you know, who's in the photo or what's happening. Uh, so that allows if a family member comes in, they know exactly what to talk about or a carer can come in and talk about their school days or who was their teacher. It's the same thing with music. Um, it's based on Spotify playlists. So you can make uh, playlists of their favorite songs from childhood or, you know, their first dance song at their wedding. And you can play those songs to them. It brings so much calmness and happiness to them. It's terrific. Um, all, it's just yeah. such, it's it's a simple idea in many ways, but it's it's just terrific. And, and I love the fact uh, a carer who n- may not have known the person very well before they took up the caring role, for them to be able to tap into the app and realise like in, in your late granny's uh, case, that, you know, the town I left behind, that this was her song and to be able exactly. to play it. Yeah, and it, that's the thing. It's, you know, even a carer coming to care for a person with dementia can even cause that person a lot of distress and discomfort because, you know, it's this person they don't know in their home or whether that be in a nursing home or whatever. But if that person could come in and, you know, tap into all these personal memories um, that they've had from their past, it, it brings the person so much comfort um, and they're able to actually speak about things that, you know, they want to talk about and they probably are willing to talk about. Um, and it, it can bring like even confidence to the person with dementia. You know, myself and Amy really advocate for the fact that, you know, there. I think there's a, a, a sense that, oh, a person with dementia has just forgotten everything and they don't, you know, they're not able to chat to you. But that's really not the case. It's just about tapping into those um, memories and, you know, keeping them talking. Um, even the more we looked into reminiscence therapy, there's there's a whole body of research about it um, in the case of dementia care and there's so many proven benefits of practicing reminiscence therapy with someone with dementia Um, and I suppose our app is just a really easy way uh, and a user-friendly way for families and carers and people with dementia uh, to practice reminiscence therapy. Yeah and and I imagine you know to be able to go into a situation uh, like that with with the patient and you get talking about something you know particularly happy memories you say maybe it was their school days or their first dance or whatever the the person with dementia it will relax them because you know you'll often hear people with dementia patients getting very frustrated particularly if they can't get across what 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 they're trying to talk about but I, I imagine that it's a huge benefit there in relaxing the person. There is, yeah. There's so many proven benefits into, you know, relaxing them, first of all. But even as we looked into it more, um, there's a study in the University of Indianapolis and says that music based intervention um, can actually slow down like reliance on peg fed feeding. And, you know, there's a lot of like physical benefits, too, that we didn't actually realize. Um, But also it can completely obviously it can really help to slow down uh, the cognitive decline. It's keeping the brain active mm. um, is the most important thing. And, you know, in not all cases will this work. You know, it's not going to work for everyone with dementia, but it's just to bring that little bit of happiness and I think a bit of hope to not only the person themselves, but their family as well. Yeah, and so I assume the earlier you can start on this app with a dementia yeah. patient, the better. The, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The the earlier you can start, the better. And as well, they, you know, that a person in their early stages can actually kind of have more of a say in what they want to talk about. So they can kind of make the account with you and say, oh, I'd love to chat about, you know, my holidays when I was a child or something like that. 
but as well just as equally a person in their later stages you know I saw my granny the the benefit of coming out to sing to her and the happiness on her face or even just hearing my voice and hearing family's voices um can really help and like we also have um the tool voice recordings so that can really help you you know you can record yourself saying you know hi ma'am I hope you're well today I'll be in to visit you tomorrow and a carer can play that to them yeah It'll bring them so much wow, that's fantastic just well done well, uh, well done it really so is much. great and uh, what feedback Neve are you getting we're getting actually really good feedback. So I think along the whole stage of our journey um, and our business, and I suppose it's only really starting now, but uh, we've we've really made sure that, you know, the person with dementia is at the core. So our whole way through it, we were testing with some of Ireland's uh, leading caring associations, the members of um, those caring associations. So our app is extremely user-friendly. So I think our feedback is that, you know, the app is so easy to use. It's such a great way for families to connect um, and we look forward to kind of, you know, keeping, uh, you know, the user's feedback at, at, at the core of the development of our business, because that's obviously so important to us. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an exciting journey. Well done. Well done. And keeping it, you. keeping it user friendly, of course, is so important. Exactly, but that's probably exactly. one of the benefits if we're always trying to find benefits out, out of the pandemic. A lot of older people suddenly became very tech savvy because they had to become tech exactly. savvy. Yeah, I remember at the very beginning, I think myself and Amy had only come up with the idea of about three weeks and we had pitched it to in a certain kind of business pitching thing. And um, they kind of said, oh, well, older people mightn't be able to use their phone or they mightn't be able to, you know, uh, you know, use it as well as I suppose we could. But I think that's completely turned on its head now. Um, older people are, you know, much more uh, adapt or inept with using uh, technology. And even little things with us as we tested our app, you know, buttons that were so obvious to myself and Amy and someone who's probably a bit more tech savvy mightn't be as obvious to an, uh, an elderly person. So we've completely made it so easy uh, and so user friendly that, you know, everything is so obvious on it. You know, you know exactly what the next step to do is and things like that. So that was uh, a thing that we probably didn't initially think about, but the app is now so easy and so user friendly. Uh, so that's obviously going to benefit uh, the families and the carers and all themselves. OK, where is the app available and how much does it cost? So at the moment, our app is available on the Google Play Store. So it's available for Android phones first. And we're um, going to launch it on iOS for Apple phones in the coming months. Um, and it costs $9.99 per download. Um, so that's uh, when each person downloads, it'll be $9.99. Um, and yeah, so, so it's, it's kept, an exciting thing. Yeah. yeah, you've kept it reasonably priced as well, which yeah, is which it, is terrific. Yeah, it is. That was important. That was important for us too. You know, um, that it, you know we're not going to outmarket ourselves. And um, that is important that every family can you know access it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 exciting, and you know it's it's like when you have an initial idea. You know, you never think it's going to get to this stage. But myself and Amy really worked really hard in it throughout college and we've learned so much along the way and it's it's really exciting to kind of see the potential it it, it will have um in the field of dementia care and where are you at you you, you finished study is it are you, you yeah, yeah yeah so i finished last year um in ucc and amy finished the year before me so she just she actually was in the netherlands last year and um, doing a master's in public international law and I spent the year uh, studying for my FE1 solicitor exams so it was a tough year it wasn't 
you know, the most exciting of years. I was knuckling down, so was Amy, but we still managed to, you know, work with Forget Me Not um, alongside it. Uh, so we'll be progressing, I suppose, in our legal careers in the coming years. But for the moment, we're really looking forward to building and developing our business um, and, you know, creating, I suppose, um, a new app and a new way of communicating with those with dementia. And if if I'm correct, this isn't your first project in helping people. I, I think I spotted, was it on your LinkedIn account? Did you publish a book when you were 12 for Temple Street Children's I Hospital? Did. I did. Yes, I did. So I've always had a huge interest in entrepreneurship. And I think it's a fantastic way if you can help others along the way. Um, so, yeah, when I was 12, I published a, a little... Um, children's storybook about Christmas uh, it was called A Full Irish Christmas in Age of Temple Street um, so I suppose I even though I was 12 at the time I, I learned a lot about you know marketing and sales and all that so it, it's it's interesting to be able to apply that now to you know an actual proper business I suppose. and how, how much did the book raise for Temple Street um, over four thousand. Yeah, so fantastic! What a kid! What, what, yeah. what a great! I tell you, I, when I speak with uh, someone like a social entrepreneur like you, I just think you know this country is in good hands with the likes of uh, of oh, Neve and, so and Amy. So listen, we wish you the best of luck. Forget me not is uh is the app um, if people want to yeah. go and uh, down download it. I think it's going to be hugely, hugely successful and it's going to bring so much comfort to so many people and that's really what it's all about. Listen, it was a real pleasure to speak with you, Neve. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Patricia. And thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. This is a former graduate of uh, UCC, Neve uh, Murray. Well done to Neve and to her, her entrepreneur partner, Amy Bowden. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Going to Fomoy Guard, the station for this week's Guard the Fire. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Um, Thanks for having me. We are starting with a couple of burglaries, one of which happened just last night. Just last night, uh, and I, I suppose it serves as a warning to other premises that may have uh, uh, valuable metals like copper, um, you know, that we see this starting again. A drum of copper was taken from a sealed container below and carry tool um, from, from a, a works site. Um, so any other place um, storing stuff like this, anyone that's listening, um, could they please review their security arrangements? Um, copper is a very, very valuable metal as all scrap metals are at, at at the moment. So, again, it just serves as a, a, a lesson, look at security, where a storage of drums of copper and even more, lesser amounts of copper are concerned, you know. OK, and um, then there was also a burglary in Castletown Roach last night. Yeah, the second incident, I, I suppose, it, technically speaking, is a theft in that was taken from uh, a, a shed, a, a shed to which anyone could access. It was an open shed, um, you know, and... Uh, we had a, a steel chainsaw taken from it and a Bosch drill and uh, four bags of animal feed. Um, um, I suppose you have individuals going around from time to time, farmyards this time of year, looking for items to steal, items that they can monetize easily, uh, you know, and uh, tools always come into that bracket, you know. So any any, any sheds, particularly on uh, maybe farmyards that are distant from the, distant from the main farm itself, 
and I mean increasingly that can be the case. You know, and mm. every farm now nearly has an outside farm because of the way um, the whole farming has changed. You know. Yeah, and um, I think people so, because they live in rural areas think that there's never anybody out our our way. There's never anybody down this road. But we criminals, unfortunately, travel. Criminals travel. Criminals travel, and uh, you, you know they know the roads, they know the byways, they know uh, where uh, places can be. Uh, places maybe sometimes where property can be found that can be monetized easily afterwards, you know. Okay. Um, now, fraud, um, we, we've never had a crime file in the last number of years, I think, where we're not highlighting different cases of fraud. There's a couple that we want to talk about uh, today. First is to do, and this, I think, will catch people back to school costs, cost of living, uh, people struggling for cash and people looking to get loans. This is online loans. Correct. And, you know, and I mean, obviously, every every community, you know, you have your local credit union. Credit unions are well used to, you, you know, dealing with back to school loans and everything like that, you know. Um, but please stay away from this thing of, of applying online. You know, advert comes up on Facebook, you know, for those payday loans and everything like that. And um, in this case, down in Yard, there was a case where somebody applied online for, for, for a loan uh, for which they had to pay something like 182 euros up front. Uh, pay the money and obviously no loan afterwards. You know, so uh, the, the, the scammers are out there looking for that as well. You, you know, should get anything. suspicious immediately if you're applying for a loan and they're looking for you to pay them something up front. Absolutely. But you see, they'll always try and justify it. Or there's uh, costs with getting the loan and all. But I mean, if you have an upfront, you know, steer, steer away from it straight away. And obviously, you know, make sure that if you have been Googling something, you know, you could have those ads coming up then on Facebook afterwards as a result, you know. So be very, very careful uh, uh, where you trade with, uh, you know, looking looking for loans online. And actually, if you go onto the FraudSmart website, that's F-R-A-U-D-S-M-A-R-T dot I-E. I mean, you you get, you know, a huge amount of information to do with all types of, of, of online fraud. Another particular thing to mention is a person there on the same date, unrelated, they got an SMS message from, claiming to be from the HSE. On the following day, they clicked the link on that to buy antigen tests. Um, they gave their details and their account was accessed and a four-figure sum taken from their account. You know, so anything like that, stay well clear of. You know, we have a huge amount of fraud now happening online. You know, yeah, we've had a number of listeners contact us about that text message purporting to be from the HSE saying you've been identified as a, clo- as a close contact. And as we've yeah. been saying, the HSE yeah. are not sending out text messages to anybody saying you've been yes. a close contact because they're not doing that type of contact tracing anymore. Correct. Correct. Um, and, you know, I've got to myself. I know plenty of people who have got to me. You know, you just delete straight away. But, I, you know, every the, the fraudsters are copying on to different ways of, of again, trying to get money, try, trying to get money off people. The last thing I want, just want to mention, you know, and again, you know, for, I think 1st of September leaving cert results are out, um, you know, they're a bit later this year. You know, accommodation fraud was up 30% in 2021. We already see in 2022 with three months left, you know, it's up again. You know, and uh, students in particular can be a target at, at this time of year when properties are scarce and in desperation people place a deposit on the property before seeing it. And you also have the situation whereby uh, your, your son or daughter, they may have uh, their number one choice might be Cork, their number two choice Dublin, their number three choice Limerick. So, you know, you're trying to keep a handle on, a handle on everything, you know, but 
you know, if you can, the best way of all is, you, you know, you know somebody who's been through the system who might have had a son or daughter in, 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 in Dublin going to college or in Limerick going to college and, you know, get details of, of landlords who they trust and who they have dealt with. They're the people to be contacting, you know, because, as I say, be very, very careful for, before they hand over money. Um, you, you know, and just in, in one case, uh, what, they, what a person copped straight away was when they got photographs of the apartment, the type of cloak fittings in the background were American. You know, so I mean... They'll, they'll, yeah, so the property never existed. Property never existed. You know, the property was the, the photographs were harvested from some property site in the in the US. You know, and and it was only when you looked at them you saw, you know, wait, they're not Irish pictures and fittings. You know, so be very very careful because uh, you know there's no doubt whatsoever. That, you know, the fraudsters will be there waiting to harvest people's details again this year. You know, and as you say, because leaving cert results are later this year, there is going to be there is already a scramble Absolutely. amongst people who know they're going to what college they're going to next year. But they're really throughout the month of September. It is really going to get the scra- the the search for accommodation is is going to be off like nothing I think we've ever seen before. And the fraudsters know that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you you know just for people as as I say exercise caution you know do due diligence on whatever places you know they're looking at and as I say contacts recommendations they're the way to go down. Okay, and I know the students unions themselves are doing fantastic Absolutely. work trying to find accommodation yeah. for people. All right, as always, um, John, John, thank you for that, and we'll chat again thank in the coming weeks. Thanks for joining us. That is Sergeant John Kelly, who is based out of Formoygar the station. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to be talking about our energy uh, crisis and the fears that so many people have about blackouts uh, in the coming winter. Have you got concerns? We'll be chatting about that in the next hour. We don't have uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, uh, joining us this week. She will be back with us though uh, next week. We're going to take a break though. News at 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A couple of uh, comments in reacting to young Neve Murray, the young entrepreneur who is a graduate of uh, UCC and herself and her friend uh, Amy coming up with this app called Forget Me Not and it is to help dementia patients and help families and carers to stay as connected for as long as possible with uh, dementia uh, patients. Oh Patricia, I heard that lovely young lady speaking about her app. How wonderful. You spoke about the fact how she was an entrepreneur. Well I think back when TD Robert Troy was young, he was also a bit of an entrepreneur. He decided to go straight out to work and save money and then was able to buy a house at the age of 20 rather than go to university. So he went well and Robert Troy did say in his resignation statement that he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth and that he's worked hard for all of his properties. And Deirdre says, oh, well done to those two young ladies, uh, Neve and Amy, for coming up with that wonderful app. As a nurse, I'm always so aware that all our wonderful people with dementia have had a very full life that may be lost to so many. Truly wonderful to hear that this will bring so much joy and so much comfort to so many. Yeah, and I really, really do think it uh, will. I was looking up more about the reminiscence therapy when I was doing the research on the app uh, yesterday. And reminiscence therapy is so important. And the earlier that you can start reminiscence therapy, and that's why I was saying the earlier that an app like this, if somebody does get a diagnosis of dementia, the earlier you start 
using an app like this and I think I love the idea that everybody logs into the one account all of the people connected with the person living with the dementia so everybody knows what's going on in the person's life and what songs they like to uh, listen to or if there's a particular story that will get the person uh, talking and it just keeps that it keeps the mind as active for as long as possible and it keeps the dementia person very much connected with their loved ones for as long as they can because I mean anyone who has lost lost a loved one through dementia will talk about the long goodbye and it it sounds absolutely dreadful and and I always feel for that you know for families when they go into you know much loved mother or father in Neve's case she was talking about her her nana and her granny her, her both of her grandmothers unfortunately were diagnosed with dementia and you know much loved granddaughter suddenly goes in one day and nana or granny doesn't doesn't know them and that can be absolutely heartbreaking so thank you uh, for people and I was glad to bring Neve's story in and to share that app Forget Me Not and hopefully people listening if you are living with somebody with dementia you might uh, look it up and uh, consider getting it uh, consider it downloading it 0818103103 we are going to be talking about fuel and energy scarcity and where are we going to be going into the winter John says Patricia people driving around West Cork um, I've been driving around West Cork recently and I've noticed at least two wind turbines and the turbines have stopped they're not moving at all why? because on both days there was no wind people need to realise that turbines need backup gas generators when there's no wind offshore wind is obviously the way to go but John feels that's at least a decade away we, need, we will need gas for at least the next 10 years. And even listening to Leo Varadkar talking about this last weekend, he was, he was saying, you know, for us to be completely have, have enough energy f- from the alternative sources, he reckons 25 to 30 years we, are, we could be away from it. So we certainly are going to need uh, gas. Uh, thank you for your call or your text to 0862103103. And Tim and Random contacted us and unfortunately this came in at the close of the programme yesterday and I wasn't able to get to it so I said I'd hold it over until uh, today. And I suppose I just want to see as this happened to other people and to issue it as a way, a word of warning in case we get another very hot spell of weather. Tim said he recently got a fill of oil and when he went out to dip and to see that the, you know how much oil was in uh, the tank he noticed that around the top of the tank that the tank had kind of melted and he's assuming it was during the hot spell the heat wave that we had so he rang the company where he purchased his oil, oil tanker from And they said, oh, oil tanks only last 10 years. Then he was chatting with another lady who told her that her tank had cracked previously during warm uh, weather. But Tim says he's checked oil tanks and nowhere can he see a note to say, do not put indirect sunlight. And obviously an oil tank by its nature is out in the garden somewhere. So it's always, you know, unless you've got a very shaded area in the majority of cases for part of the day, it is going to be indirect uh, sunlight. So Tim is wondering, has anybody else had a problem with oil tanks? Have they actually cracked? What have you done to uh, rectify it? Now, I can speak from not personal experience but from my sister's personal experience they had an oil tank a number of years ago that cracked and all of the oil uh, leaked out and it was during a hot spell of weather so they had to get their oil tank uh, replaced and then they sort of surrounded it in kind of a almost like a wooden box to protect it from the sun 
going forward so that it wouldn't be in direct sunlight. I don't know if that advice is given to people when tanks are installed that you shouldn't have them in direct sunlight and that you should try to get them into as much shade as you can. But I did check up online to see and asked the question online, can the sun damage an oil tank? And it says single skinned plastic tanks. And do I assume we all have single skinned plastic tanks are at risk from sun and UV exposure? We can lead to whitening and discoloration and result in the plastic expanding. This can then cause defects such as twisting and bowing, which will eventually progress into cracks and that then leads to oil spills and contamination. So, yeah, they, they don't come with a lifetime guarantee. So I suppose it's to try to put the oil tank or get it into a shaded area or try to build up some shade around it is obviously the way uh, to go. But the good news is that the the your fuel tank won't explode in hot weather because I'm told home heating oil is not combustible like like gasoline so it's not going to uh, blow up but uh, yes it does look like they can over time I'm not saying it's going to happen to a new tank but I don't know how long that time will uh, take anyway has it happened to anyone that your oil tank actually cracked and then leaked out all of the oil and you could imagine if it if it was to happen to Tim when he's just after getting a new fill I suppose keep an eye on your tank and see does it need to be uh, replaced uh, Tim and in the meantime we'll open up the phone lines on it if anybody has advice uh, for Tim or as I say if anybody has a personal experience of an oil tank that got damaged as a direct result of sunlight 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and just while I'm on about oil tanks I did spot a piece I think it was Ralph Regan had it in the Irish Independent yesterday where he was talking about fuel thieves are now using what Ralph calls spotters to follow delivery trucks to determine where, where homes are having a fill of oil. Gardaí are urging homeowners to take security precautions over their home heating oil tanks amid a surge in the value of oil thefts. The warning, now we've spoken about this actually on our Garda file over the last number of uh, months. The warning coming this time though is the Garda fear sophisticated gangs are now using specially adapted trucks and vans probably disguised as delivery vehicles to remove the stolen fuel. The thieves follow oil delivery lorries to identify and then target homes with full storage tanks and then they're using silent electric motors to siphon fuel from the tanks and they seemingly can do it within minutes. Now we all know there's been a 20% increase in the value of stolen home heating oil over the last uh, seven months and that's because home heating oil has gone up so much. While the number of thefts has declined over the last year, Gardaí are worried that the high price of fuel will spark a surge in thefts, particularly during the peak of the delivery season. And the peak of the delivery season is from September through to January. Obviously, when the weather turns colder, that's colder. That's when people decide to get their oil and kerosene uh, supplies. And uh, even though it's come down slightly in price, home heating oil is still 250 times more expensive than it was, say, two years ago. Now it's come down, I think, about 20% uh, since June, but it still is very, very expensive. So Garda Crime Prevention Officers are worried that this autumn and winter, there could be, they don't know for sure, but they're just giving us the warning, there could be a surge in home heating oil fuel uh, thefts, given the high value of it. So they've launched, the Garda have, launched a special awareness campaign for householders, which is 
focused on ways of foiling fuel thieves who target both homes and vehicles. And a Garda Prevention Officer by the name of Sergeant Michael Walsh advised simple precautions that householders can take to try to stop the thieves. Now they range from secure fencing around your oil tank and obviously if you have the secure fencing you might be able to shade your tank at the same time so that might have a dual plus. He's also talking about alarm systems, getting CCTV cameras installed, camouflaging the tank particularly from roadside viewing news hedges or fencing for that. Uh, Fuel tanks that are located he said away from houses or offices they're the ones that are most at risk and in those situations he says robust perimeter fencing and gates need to be properly secured. They're recommending people and businesses consider installing alarms anti-siphoning devices, security lighting and CCTV cameras. The challenge for Gardaí is that fuel thieves have evolved highly sophisticated operations for stealing the oil. They also operate vehicles which are equipped with these special tanks for holding the siphoned uh, fuel and they're, of, uh, they're often disguised to look like a different type of a truck or a van. So, you know, it might be obvious if there's a guy at the checkpoint that what's actually in the truck are the, uh, are the van. Home heating oil tanks are the primary target because of the soaring price of petrol and diesel. But even parked cars and trucks have been targeted in recent weeks. For example, five weeks ago, a number of trucks parked overnight in Limerick were targeted fuel thieves and about €500 worth of diesel was drained from the tanks. Gardaí say the key to protecting the storage tanks was good quality fencing, motion sensor uh, lights they'll all help to deter thieves and then remote electronic oil level gauges they're available and what they do is they set off an audible alarm when the oil level drops dramatically and obviously that would happen if there was a leak or if there was a theft and it will alert the uh, receiver unit so there are things we can do to try to protect us but so just be careful of that as I say they don't know for sure if it's going to happen but the Gardaí are just because of the price of home heating oil they are fearful we may see a spike uh, in a theft 0818 103 103 um, Paddy is on about oh this is on the issue of can an oil tank split uh, good afternoon to you Paddy good afternoon Patricia how are you I'm very well thank you it was your mother-in-law's house that's right yeah it split it at the back of the tank down at the bottom and uh, she, she, she was lucky because she's, she's an old person like and uh, son-in-law was there our son was there and he, he saved a lot of it good but, but then we phoned the insurance the captain on a Saturday Saturday and she phoned the insurance on the Monday morning they said that's the house insurance on covered the it, house insurance on covered it wouldn't cover it it wouldn't cover it yeah but why did they say why it wouldn't cover they didn't it say, they didn't say why they didn't say it wasn't covered on your policy so, God, that all so was, she, she, she yeah. left to go in, like, she, yeah. you know, she didn't ask no more questions, like, you know, she was old and... I know, I know. We'll get that when we have our next insurance slot. I'll get John Paul to make a note of that. And when we have Paul Cavanaugh on, we might ask him about about that. I would have thought yeah. that it should be covered on your your I, home your home insurance I was, policy. I was full sure it would be covered as well, because the lad that came out to look at it, he said, look, he said, there's no oil spill here, he said. It's perfectly OK, he said. He saved the, the whole lot of it because they put it into uh, plastic uh, drums, you know. The they were able to siphon the, it out. But then she had yeah. to get the tank replaced. 
Oh, she had to get the tank of press then as well, like. Yeah. She got the whole tank of press, so it cost a thousand euros altogether. Do you think the split was caused by hot weather? Well, hot weather, I say, yeah, because yeah. she'd always keep her tank full, and she had a tree over it. Was about four years ago she cut it, and I think that's what happened. Like the heat, the heat split the well. Yeah, I'm no expert, but that's what I. Yeah. That was okay, my but 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 you say not covered on on your on well on your mum's uh, on your mother-in-law's house insurance, as no, I say. I would no. have thought it should have been. All right, I, listen. I thought I thought it would too. Like it's worth that. checking on your house insurance to make sure that it is. And now that'll tell us something like why we pay insurance, what? Ah, sure, listen. <laughs> no, sure, don't we always say that? Don't we always say that? Listen, Paddy, have a good day. You're uh, a nice again, Patricia, th- and thank you. Thanks Enjoy a, your show. Thanks a million. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That uh, is Paddy with his poor mother-in-law. Um, shocking that it wasn't covered on her house insurance. Roy is on the other line with advice on how to protect the tank. Is it, Roy? Good afternoon to you. Yes, how are we doing? Uh, I'm well. You're, you're saying if there's a crack on the if edges. There's a crack, if there's a crack in the edges of the tank. Yeah. It gets you out of trouble if you get the old type, carbolic type soap, you know? Yeah. You know, the bars of soap. Yeah. Scrape, scrape it into the edge well and that will weld it up for you until you get your new tank. Oh, that's good. And, and, it, works, and it works perfectly. And it's, it seals it just while, while you're waiting for the replacement. Yes, and like it even seals it until you even empty the tank down as far as you want to go, and it it literally stops the leak. And the and the oil tanks crack. It is to do with the sun. It is to do with warm hot oh, weather. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes, hot yeah. weather. Yeah, and they all crack in the edges. Yes, yeah, so, so that it's worth now that we're particularly after that hot spell we've had for everybody to take a look at their oil tank to see. Yes, and you could get a couple of cracks around, but if you do see a crack, get the army bar of soap. Scrape it in and you have no more trouble. Isn't and, that amazing? And then, and then replace your tank then, you know, when it goes down a bit, like. Yeah, yeah. And and not covered on your house insurance is a strange one, isn't it? No, no, it's not covered, no. No. It, it, like, it, if, it, if people are changing their tank, they should put in a double bundle tank then. Okay. Okay, it's the old type tank. If the old type tank bursts and gets into the ground or gets into the neighbour's ground, you'll be in trouble then, you know. Insurance-wise, you'll be in severe trouble. Because Just, all the soil would have to be dug out. That's a big job then. That's a big job then. So if the tank is suspect, then go and, you know, if they're replacing it, replace with a double bundle tank. I know they're more expensive, but in the end of the day, it's worth it, you know. OK, but uh, all of us following that heat wave need to check our tanks as we head into the winter, particularly before you get a fill. Yes, yeah. Yeah. All right, listen, Roy, thank you for that. A mine of information. Thanks for joining no us. Uh, bye-bye, yeah. bye-bye. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. The Kiljallery Lotto Draw. Their next one is this afternoon at four. Their jackpot is €4,800. Tickets are in sale in all of the local outlets and the community office. Shambali Moore Bingo is on on Tuesday nights at 8. They've got a jackpot of €2,600 in 48 calls are less. And Mallow Golf Club, they're holding their annual golf classic today through until Saturday the 27th. It's fundraising for the development of the club and the course. 
The Eugene Cronin Memorial Walk is taking place this Saturday. Registration is in the Bantry Tourist Office at 11 in the morning. Free event with donations on the day to Bantry uh, Hospice. And a family fun day sponsored by the Acts of Kindness page in Mallow will be held in the Arches Bar in Mallow this Saturday, 12 noon to 5pm. You can enjoy music, children's entertainment and refreshments with a raffle and a draw taking place at half past three. All money raised will be divided between the Mallow Search and Rescue, Lachine's House for Suicide Prevention and young Carl Horrigan, who joined us yesterday on the programme, who is fundraising for his new prosthetic arm. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. From your home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Billy in Mallows is on the oil tank. He's got a gas tank. He says once the tank reaches 25 to 30 years of age, it's replaced free of charge by the gas su- supplier. Uh, he says if the, you're with the same oil supplier, would it not be a good idea if companies started doing the same thing? Now, Billy does pay a maintenance fee of €79, Euro, which obviously goes towards the cost of replacing the tank, uh, but he thinks it is the way to go for oil companies. And Kathleen says something similar happened to her mother during the recent heat wave. It was an old diesel oil tank. It cracked, started leaking. Interestingly, the oil company wouldn't remove it unless she was getting a new one. The oil company would not remove it or would remove the oil unless it was getting a new one. So they ended up having to siphon out as much oil as possible to bring the level below the, the crack and hope that no more cracks appear, says Kathleen in Bandon. Oh, I'm assuming your mother's going to have to get that uh, tank uh, replaced. And then lots of people are agreeing with Roy and his trick on the uh, soap. Uh, Patricia, we had a crack and we were told by the lady at the oil company to use the bar of soap over the crack and it worked until we got it changed. So lots of people are saying that that definitely does work. It was something I hadn't heard of before. Thank you for that. And just uh, well done to, hi Patricia, well done to Neve who joined you uh, earlier and her friend Amy for their app for dementia sufferers. My dad was a sufferer but uh, died of heart complications this year and anything that helps a person is great. So well done to them. Neve comes across as so down to uh, earth, not like Doll Deputy Robert Troy praising himself for what he has achieved in life uh, so uh, far. And yeah, and I just think when I was doing some research on young Neve, you know, she's in her early 20s now, when I discovered at 12 that she had published a book to raise money for Crumlin's Children's Hospital. I just thought she was a social entrepreneur at the age of 12. So it didn't surprise me then that she's gone on to do this, something completely different to what she's studying. She's studying to be a solicitor, um, but uh, to do something like that and the social conscience, it it really is, it is uh, great. So thank you. A lot of people enjoyed my interview with uh, Neve. Thank you for reaching out and and, uh, with your kind thoughts on Neve and Amy and their app. And just one final uh, text here. It's been now over five months since the gym closed at Dunmanway Swimming Pool and it's remained idle. It's never been used as an emergency rest centre for Ukrainian refugees, which I feel is a disgrace. Should the residents of Dunmanway now just join another gym outside of the town for the winter? Or does the council have any intention of reopening it? Listen, we every time this comes up on the programme from the good people of Dunmanway, we get on to the council and they just we seem to get the same answer back every time that they have to have this 
emergency rest centre available in case the need arrives and of course the government will say in the various departments that are, are dealing with Ukrainian refugees they never know from one day to the next when an emergency rest centre is needed because they never know how many Ukrainian refugees are going to arrive on any given day but listen we haven't I don't think we've contacted the council about the Jim in Dunmanway in a while so listen we'll send on another uh, email to them just to see have they any uh, particularly on your question should people who normally have been using that uh, gym and who've been patiently waiting without a gym for the last five months would they now be better off trying to access a gym somewhere else so we'll get on to them and we'll hardly get an answer back for the close of the programme today but hopefully we might have something tomorrow 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Ireland's Energy Watchdog, the Commission for Regulation of Utilities and the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan are to be called before an emergency Oireachtas committee meeting over fears of blackouts in the coming months. Eamon Ryan has insisted that he does not expect power outages this winter but has warned that the real challenge is going to be the cost for householders in the coming months. Independent uh, Dáil Deputy for West Cork, Deputy Michael Collins, is worried as the country faces a winter of energy scarcity. And uh, Michael Collins joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Do you take any comfort from the Environment Minister, Eamon Ryan, saying, and I quote, we expect to be able to provide the power that this country needs in the next two to three months? No, I don't. Actually, I have serious worries because on the one hand, they're saying this. On the other hand, they're saying we're going to have to ration. We're going to have to look at, you know, maybe certain times that people um, are using their electricity. Um, we're at, in one hand, it looks like we could be without electricity at some point during the winter. Um, I don't think that the government are completely reckless and disjointed because they have no energy policy as such or no solution other than steering people further. Uh, into situations where we'll say many homes are being uh, advised and, and in some cases where council houses are being forced to close their fireplaces and put in heat pumps. You're talking about electric cars. You know, unfortunately, we have a situation where we have data centres, um, which uh, we find out now, you know, we have what we have and we maybe if we have what we have, but they've increased by 32% since 2021, the data centres, and they're taking up 14% of our power. And there's nobody curbing or nobody talking to the, or making sure that these centres are curbed for the time being until this crisis uh, is alleviated. And we also, Patricia, have the situation where proposals, you know, to provide our own, they could best have our own uh, energy uh, terminal off of uh, Cork Harbour. Have been, I've, I've handed a report, an excellent report done up by a company led by a West Cork man. Um, who is they're willing to put millions of euros into uh, a gas terminal, floating gas terminal off Cork Harbour. I've handed that report to, to Minister Ryan. I've tried to get the two people together. Uh, I did briefly, but Minister Ryan is not interested. And it looks to me as if the Barry Rowe motion that we had before the, the doll there some months back to put the island gas field there, that's been sidelined, Shannon LNG. It, it now looks like the Trinigate have woke up. It took them a I don't know how long it takes a party in the dog to wake up to reality. The reality is what people will tell you, what the only everyday men, mother, mother and father that's struggling out there are telling us, you know, that there is alternatives. Unfortunately, we are in a situation that we don't have the, the, the green energy that we all wish 
that will come in time, but that's not here. But right even now. even Lee, even Leo Varadkar this week uh, admitted that when it comes to renewable, and and yes, everyone accepts renewable is the way to go. But I mean, even Leo Varadkar admitted. I think he was speaking actually in uh, in John Manway ahead of of the Michael Collins commemoration last week. Uh, he even admitted that uh, green gas that will replace natural gas in time, but it's twenty to twenty five years away. And that's something I've been speaking about for, for such a long time, Patricia, many times in fairness to your radio show um, and, and in the doll. I've been at it for the last nearly two to three years. We are in no way, shape or form prepared for what's happening right, right here, right now. And it's fine to say that we should have all these alternatives in place. Uh, it's lovely to think we, that if we would, but we don't have them in place. And if we don't have them in place, you can't leave people, you know, be, be in situations maybe running out of fuel, running out of electricity. We're, we're, we don't seem to have any kind of thinking in that government, and it seems like we're kind of firefighting. And another thing, too, there's been an energy supply report, and that energy supply report, I'm convinced, uh, spells uh, out the situation in black and white to Minister Ryan, and he feels he has the report and his desk and he's failing to publish that report for the last year and a half. I've been calling constantly for the last year and two or three months for that report to be opened up to the public, which it was meant to be. But he continues to uh, avoid doing that. And I have a strong feeling it points the finger blatantly at, at, at the government's inability to tackle this issue and he's continuous, continuously avoiding uh, publishing that report, which has to be report, uh, published immediately. And it, it, it will, I think that will tell it straight up, if it's an honest report, it will. It will tell the crisis that Ireland is facing and the solutions that are there today. The solutions for tomorrow are not there, unfortunately, right now. I mean, Airgrid issuing two amber alerts during the summer months. I mean, that doesn't bode well. And also we had these amber alerts last year as well. And that's something that, you know, obviously, uh, uh, I suppose in political sense, but also the people, the already mother of fellows, the farmers, the the business people, the shops, whatever. All these people are extremely worried uh, about, you know, first of all, they're worried about the the, the cost of electricity, number one. Secondly, they're worried about will they have electricity. And electricity prices, like, you know, know, we've spoken about this often as well, that electricity prices are spiraled out of control. And left spiral out of control uh, by, by, by electricity companies are partially owned by the government, making mass millions of profits. And unfortunately, the government hasn't tackled this issue. As I said, as you said there a while ago, um, the override seems to have woke up. But it's it's very late in the day to be waking up. It's something we've been screaming at for the last couple of years. We didn't have uh, the alternatives in place. And until they were in place, make sure that we had enough supply. And we can have our own supply of, 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 of gas. We can have our own supply of fuel. And we're failing the Irish people by not allowing these be progressed to the stage that they're there for us. And the funny thing is, Germany and all these other countries are working full steam ahead and are busy filling their 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 gas storages while we are lying idle, looking out the window. Because we don't we don't have any gas storage in this country, isn't that correct? We're we're relying on the connector with the UK, and obviously the the Carib gas fields, but that's going to run out. It is, and like like I'm saying, we're looking out the window across the across the water to the UK to supply to us when we should be looking out or looking at our own our own land and see what's available there. And there's huge opportunities there, and they should have been worked on for the last number of years, and not leave us in a, a situation where we could be without electricity. I said it 12 months ago and signed the dollar. The electricity, the lights go in this country, that this government should be chased out of office because they have left the people down. They have left us in a dire situation, Patricia, and we're listening to it every day of the week, the worry, and the upset and concern, because a lot of people are upset at the moment with the, you know, the economy is, 
it's a difficult time for business, a difficult time for ordinary people that are trying to, you know, pay their electricity bills, take their kids to school, fill the, the car with fuel. There's a lot of difficulties out there. And to listen, to have the worry down on top of it that we may not have, have, have electricity at some point during the, the winter because of complete and utter incompetence is no longer good enough. And the problem we have today, um, Patricia, is we have a, a whole pile of collar and tie gentlemen above the side of the dog and p- people that are dreaming, dreaming about something that isn't here today and unfortunately are blocking uh, progress on on, on on our basically which turns out to be our economy on, on solutions that can be provided and can be provided by excellent uh, experts out there that are willing to work towards green solutions. Those who want to put the energy gas but also will put a lot of their taxes and money the same at Barry. Well, monies like that could have been uh, put towards maybe wind turbines or whatever they wanted to uh, along the line and try and build the, the, the future infrastructure by use but use what we have at the moment and that's what's not happening at the moment. Okay, but I, are you hoping that something will come from that emergency Oireachtas Committee calling in the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan and the Commission for Regulation of Utilities? Will anything come from that? I'm, I'm very, uh, look, in fairness there, uh, you know, uh, Oireachtas committees are good and they try and get to the nitty-gritty of issues but the problem is I'm afraid that uh, Minister Ryan is very much removed from reality the reality is what we face on the ground the reality is that we could have power cuts the reality is that we're running short of fuel uh, the reality is we're depending on the UK when we haven't looked at our own market because what they want us to make us the best in the world but unfortunately we could become the biggest fools in the world also and that's unfortunate situation that Eamon Ryan is built on and his Green Party is built on, supported by Fianna Fáil and Gael. And they've got, to, like Fianna Gael looks like now it's starting to break rank here and starting to see since because the people are telling him, cop on, use your head, use what's here and, and, and save, you know, save our economy because our economy is going through a very rough time at and, the moment. And yes, you end. know, I, I heard Eamon Ryan, you know, talk about time of day pricing and uh, campaign to get everyone to reduce their electricity usage and you think God we need a lot more than that I do think he's right though when he says the biggest the biggest challenge in the coming winter for households and businesses will be the price of electricity and gas It's frightening and as I said you know with, with, with electricity companies with, with the government them, the biggest shareholders and some of them uh, charging exorbitant uh, making huge profits nobody nobody thinks people should be in business to make losses but certainly making huge profits that's not fed back into the into the into the, the customers is, 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 is a shocking situation and I would advise people obviously to, to shop around with electricity companies because that's the, it, it does help in some small way but uh, Patricia like you know Minister Ryan says yeah the, the cost Yes, number one, what's he done about it? I don't see much at the moment. He's saying take your foot off the pedal when you're driving so we can cut out the, the, the fuel cost. They're all kind of, pardon my language, a little bit silly kind of solutions. The reality solutions are out there and he's not making any progress on them. He sits on the barrier oil field, the progression of that oil field. He's sitting on the, the LNG terminal, uh, the progress of that, that, that uh, the one in Kerry. terminal off of, yeah. off of, off of Kerry and, and off of Cork Harbour. He's sitting on that far longer than the Kerry yeah, one. And it's yeah. a fabulous solution. And it's a fabulous, it's a very much a green solution. And, you know, and, on, and on the price of electricity already, we, you know, we're constantly hearing from people who are getting electricity bills in that they say their summer electricity bills are as high, if not higher, than what they normally pay in the winter months. So people are dreading what the winter month bills are going to look like. I am very worried, yeah, because a lot of people have been telling me that a lot of people are very concerned. And obviously, you know, a lot of people tend to hang on to electricity bills. They'd have an electricity bill from a year ago and two years ago, and they're looking at 
they just can't, they can't understand. And I, sometimes I think, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but Eamon Ryan has a little bit of a smile saying, the more we punish you, the more you switch off this and switch off that. But like, how much can you do before you realise you can't survive on, 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 on these, this rationing situation that we're, we're in? As I said, Patricia, we have our own solutions on Green uh, Party with, the, with their colleagues are refusing the, the progressionism solutions. And if they are not worked on, we're in dire trouble in this country. OK, Rob uh, in Bantry says, well done for Deputy Michael Collins raising this issue. Data centres are the big, big problem. Oh, only this month, according to Rob, Dublin City Council approved planning permission to Amazon to build two new data centres in North Dublin. I mean, where, yeah. where, where are we going to say, draw a halt to the data centres? Yeah, you know, a lot of them data centres were here already, but they should have, like the Taoiseach should have made, and then Minister Ryan and, and the government should have made a decision that that's as far as it goes. As I said, in the past 12 months, data centres have increased by 32%. And these 70 centres, as I said earlier on, are taking up 14% of our power. That's a huge amount of power. And we continue to give more permissions and more to be built and continue. You know, it sounds... It sounds very, very strange decisions are being made and the teacher the could talk about a power supply review and all these other reviews. Common sense tells him where to start. But unfortunately, he's not starting there and this is the situation we're in. So this government needs to sit around the table and needs to be, uh, you know, the, the, the committee that are meeting with um, Minister Ryan this week, you know, hopefully they'll unravel a certain amount but a lot more needs to be done and that discussion should be taking place first thing. I'd like to think we'd reconvene it all because it's a very, very serious issue. But I can't be calling for that every week because they don't listen to me. But certainly as soon as the dollars reconvene, that's the first issue on the agenda. And we have written uh, to the town court to make sure that is the first issue, uh, that's the first uh, issue okay. to be discussed on the agenda. Okay, and I can see a lot of people uh, agreeing. Uh, somebody saying uh, Eamon Ryan uh, is sending us back in time to the days of the horse and carts. Well said, Michael, about time somebody came out and spoke up for us not happy with Eamon Ryan. And Anthony says the government are just so inept in the basics of living and the Greens' electric agenda is a major problem. We have no gas storage in this country. That is the most worrying aspect with a war going on. And moreover, as our population is growing, we're going to need more heating and uh, power. But of course, it won't affect them, says Anthony. OK, I've got to leave it there. Listen, Michael, thank you for that. And thank uh, thanks for joining me on the programme that is uh, uh, West Cork Independent All Deputy Michael Collins hey, That's where I leave you for today Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Riches is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for the final one of the week tomorrow morning at 10 on to the Patricia Messenger Very good Cork afternoon today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to CMIG.ie Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.